You know, we've been doing this, uh, this uh, series called Beautiful Resistance, where we are, are learning how to do something that is um, counterintuitive, which is to find a new way to resist the things that we are not for. There's a lot of things to not be for in these days, right? Uh, there's always been a lot of things to be against. There's always been a lot of things to, to uh, resist. Um, but Jesus teaches us a different way to resist. He teaches us to resist by going after that which is beautiful, by going after that which is kingdom, by going after the things of God as opposed to running from the things of darkness. There's a big difference between running to the light and running away from the darkness, right? When you run from darkness, you can trip. But when you're running to the light, you can see where you're going and you get there. But running from the darkness oftentimes trips us up because it begins to create our vision. And we are here to build the kingdom of God and not to just build the kingdom of self and to run from the kingdom of darkness. We're here to bring life and life more abundantly as Jesus instructs us to. Let's say a prayer as we get into today's topic. God, we thank you for the spirit of God that is in this place here right now. I pray that every single person would have ears to hear. And I pray, God, that you would speak to us as individuals, but I also pray that you would speak to us as a group in Jesus' name. Amen. So in 1976, uh, I had the brilliant idea. This is BC, before Christ. And uh, I uh, had this brilliant idea that spring break would be a good time to invite my entire senior class and high, well, actually, my whole high school, anybody that wanted to come, to a gathering at my dad's cabin. You, some of you have heard this story, but some of you are new to the church and you haven't heard this story. But it kind of fits with where we're going here today. Um, and uh, we had this four-day um, soiree uh, up on Whidbey Island that overlooked uh, the water and uh, the beach that was down below. And it was a beautiful setting, my dad's cabin and, and his best friend's cabin right next to each other. I was familiar with the area, so I invited everybody up there, gave them maps, and they all showed up at once. And, um, and so it was a pretty crowded four days. Uh, and at the end of those four days, and uh, the beach caught on fire, the outhouses got tipped over, uh, the cabins got trashed, the grounds were littered, and me and a handful of friends ended up cleaning it for two days, trying to get everything picked up. It was a mess. Uh, did I mention that I forgot to tell my dad about it? And, uh, and so it was, it was this great time that we had all together, it ended in a disaster. I resented even, I, I, I just regretted even inviting there all these people that I, a lot of them that I didn't even know. They didn't have respect for me and they didn't have respect for my dad. They didn't have respect for my dad's friend or their cabins or their property or any of that kind of stuff. And so it was a real frustrating thing. And, uh, and so, but the part that was the hardest was the fact that four days or three days later, the fire that we put out on the beach started back up again. And there was nobody there to put it out. 
So it catches on fire and lights all these logs on. The wind picked up the coals and, and lit the logs on fire. and It got going crazy. And there was no running water there. Obviously, the, the ocean's right there. But, but guys had to walk a quarter mile down the beach with buckets to put it out. They, find, they finally found my dad's phone number, gave him a call, and said, or uh, actually his best friend gave him a call, told him what had happened. He called my dad. And he says, no, my son would never do that. My mom came to me in tears and said, did, did, you, did you do this? I said, yeah, I did. And she says, oh, no. Your dad and Al are not talking anymore because your dad defended you. And they quit talking to each other. I completely dishonored my father. It was hard. It was bad enough that I threw the party. The worst part was is that I dishonored my father. He was hurt. I was hurt. My dad was a man of very few words, didn't communicate emotionally unless he was angry. But he was sad, and I knew it. I'd rather him be mad. I'd rather get a whipping than to have him just go silent on me. How many can relate to that? You ever had the silent treatment? It's not fun. <clears throat> but I, I dishonored him. And I dishonored him in order for me to have some fun at his expense. I hadn't even thought about him. And uh, really what had happened is my dad and my relationship with him was lowered to a place where me having fun with friends and making some new friends was more important to me than what was right for my family. Oh, man, I felt so bad. I felt so bad. But, you know, it was interesting. On the day that he died at 97 years old, just a few years ago, me and my three brothers stood around him, looking at him as he was struggling to get his last breaths in. And all of a sudden, he had a moment of clarity, and he looked at all of us and says, I did my best. I said, yeah, Dad, you did. Look how all of us are doing right now, and it's because of you. Thank you. It's interesting how sometimes things go, take a bad turn, but you can fix them. Or you might not be able to fix it, but you can move forward and improve you, and improve how you choose to do things. And today I want to talk to you about how honor resists contempt. Honor resists contempt. You know, I was never really communicated in school or in church or anywhere, for that matter, about how to bring honor. Nobody ever talked about bringing honor to anybody. Usually now, if you hear about honor, it's usually somebody that wants to be honored telling you about honor. <laughs> right? But honor in its full understanding of it needs to be looked at. But also contempt needs to be looked at as well. What is contempt? I think we have a definition for that. But contempt is deciding that somebody is beneath consideration. Beneath admiration, 
beneath respect or beneath being valued. That's contempt. When there's contempt in court, we devalued the court and the legal system. When we devalue a human being, we've brought them below us. This is a thing that I struggle with personally because there are certain things that go on in our world that really bother me and anger me, that frustrate me. And it's really easy to move from not liking something or not agreeing with something or being against something and showing contempt. And I slip myself crossing that line in my heart and sometimes in my words to a tight circle of friends. And I, I release something that I see as very ugly and that contempt devalues and shows off the worst attributes of another and disrespects. And it's something that I want to get rid of forever. Anybody ever struggle with that? Right? Uh, and the way that we need to do it is we need to bring back honor. We need to bring back honor. I didn't say bring back agreement. Did you catch that? Yeah. We need to bring back honor. It didn't say agreement. Now, Father's Day is an interesting day because some of us have fathers that we are really love to celebrate and there's lots of things to celebrate. And some of us have fathers that had a pretty heavy hand and it was really hard being in the home. And, um, and so when we talk about honor, it can actually uh, stir up some wounds, some hurts, because there's people even in this room right here that when they try to find something to honor their father for, they have a hard time. Maybe their father wasn't there, or maybe he was there, but he wasn't there, if you know what I mean. Right? And so there can be some things. There's fathers that feel like, man, maybe they dropped the ball. Maybe, maybe there's a season of their life where they blew it big time and they regret some of the things they said or did or the ways that they treated their kids or ways that they treated their spouse or whatever. And, and so there's some anxiety and some shame and some wounds and all those kinds of things. And... Uh, but it's really easy to move past being wounded and being hurt to being in contempt. And being in contempt means you can justify violent behavior or violent thoughts or violent words or hurtful words, hurtful actions, hurtful communication. We can justify it because we've been wounded. And so we justify contempt. So contempt is always something that devalues. It's always something that uh, validates itself. Always validates the person that's in contempt. 
Contempt dismisses people's giftings. When we are in contempt, we belittle their giftings and their, what they contribute to the world. Some of us can't see what certain people bring to the world because we're in contempt. And, and so there's, there's, there's people in our, our world right now that we have a lack of respect for because we can't see the gifting or the contribution that they have made. We can only see the offense that was done. So what we want to do is we want to move towards honor. Ephesians chapter 6, it says this, honor your father and your mother. This is the first commandment with a promise. If you honor your father and mother, things will go well for you. And you will have a long life on the earth. What's it saying? There's a spirit that comes with honor. When you show honor, when you show respect, when you move past contempt by choosing to honor, then all of a sudden, things start going well. Things go real well. You know, when I started moving past the things that happened to me when I was a kid, and some of the things that were said, and the ways that I was disciplined, and all those kinds of things, instead of holding that against my dad or against my family and how I was raised, and started looking for the things that they put inside of me that I value and I cherish, and I start staring at those things instead of the hurts and the wounds and the things that, that, that really bothered me growing up, that actually lowered my self-esteem. And in my opinion, I believe that some of those things were why I myself moved into contempt towards other people and devalued other people. Do you remember when I told you about my walk on that sabbatical that I had when I went to Spain and I went on the Camino and I started reflecting and I was looking at, okay, what's the next season of life going to bring me? All these kinds of things. And I'm like waiting for God to speak and have a revelation, get some prophetic words going. And man, it's like affirmation and like dreams and visions and all this stuff. And all that happened for the first five, six, seven days was God kept bringing up all this stuff from my past that I'd never dealt with. And one of the things that came up was the fact that there was a couple of people that I just gave a real hard time to when I was in junior high. I mean, you think, that's a long time ago, Steve. You're 63 years old. Why, what are you doing thinking about stuff that happened when you're that age? Because it affects you. It gets in your soul. You carry it. You carry it with you everywhere you go. And as far as, as much as you try to get past it, unless you deal with it and own it, I realized I never owned it. It's interesting. When you, I became a Christian at 21 years old, I was so happy that all sins were forgiven. He throws them as far as the east is from the west. I'm going, yeah, that's awesome. That's pretty good. It's like, I got lots to throw. I got a lot of stuff to throw, right? Man, I, was, man, I just felt this weight off my shoulders. But even though I was forgiven, I never dealt with it. I never wrestled with it. I never, in a sense, 
completely repented. Oh, I asked for forgiveness. I recognized that I'd sinned, but I never really thought about how it affected other people. But on that long walk, I sure thought about it because God wouldn't let me go until I was done with that. It was interesting. Just different faces came to mind and situations came to mind. Just kept over and over and over again. People that I wouldn't forgive, people that I hurt, people that I bullied, people that bullied me, uh, all these kinds of things. It was kind of like this circle of contempt going constantly. And all of a sudden, man, it's just like I felt this this release because, man, I dug up everything that was stinking and owned every bit of it and released everybody that was in contempt towards me and everybody that I was holding contempt towards and just completely let it go. Have you ever done that? It's not fun. It's not fun. I know this isn't one of those get up and dance type messages. It's like, you know, because you start looking at your own story, right? It's something to think about. Honor your father and your mother and things will go well with you. You see, I think the reason that this is one of the Ten Commandments is because that, that the Lord knew that if we would honor our father and mother, the way we honor our father and the mother is the way we're going to honor our wife. The way we honor our father and mother is how we'll, we'll honor people in the workplace, in church. And so the, the habit that you get with parents in those years that you're with your parents of showing respect and honor is really important. Uh, some of you have never met Naharka. Can you stand up, Naharka, real quick? Put you on the spot, just real quick. Just, just like, just a little bit. Just, yeah, there you go. All the way. Come on, all the way up. There you go. There, there you go. That's enough. There you go. That's Naharka. She, she's one of our youth pastors here. And she, you know, when I, we were talking to her about working with youth and things along those lines. The thing that um, I told her that I valued in her more than anything is how she talks about her parents and how she honors her mother and her father. And the fact that that honor is there, even though her mom and dad are not completely on the same page as her as far as religion is concerned, she honors and respects them and they honor and respect her. And I know that that honor and respect that she has for her parents will be put into our teenagers. When she speaks, when she carries herself, when they talk bad about their parents, she's going to say something to them. Why? Because she, she doesn't go for that. She understands honor. Honor your father and your mother. It will go well. It will go well with you. You don't have to go back to when you were 10 and fix that, you can pick it up right now and start honoring. Instead of just signing your name in the card, why don't you write a page? Right? Honor. I love it when I get cards from my kids because they don't sign it. They write in it. And I love reading what they write because it's, it's pure. 
It's real. It's from the heart. And it builds my soul up. Honor your father and mother. Romans chapter 12, verse 9 and 10. Don't just pretend to love others. Really love them. Hate what is wrong. Hold tightly to what is good. Love each other with genuine affection and take delight in honoring each other. Take delight in honoring each other. You know, there's, there's some big hindrances to honor. One of them is familiarity. Uh, familiarity uh, blinds us from seeing God's anointing on somebody else. I remember when we merged churches with the church that was here, uh, Covington Christian Fellowship, and um, nobody here knew me really, and um, and there was uh, it was really interesting because he, here I'm coming in as the new pastor, but they didn't know anything about me. They didn't know anything about my backstory. They didn't really know too much about me. And it was really interesting how some people could not receive me as being pastor because I was different than what their comfort zone was. My preaching style was different. Our theologies were the same, basically. So there was no change there. Our mission to the community was the same. Our love for people and our love for God was the same. The style of worship was the same. But because all of a sudden people's comfort zone was rocked, some people, because they were out of their comfort zone, couldn't receive me as pastor because I represented change that they didn't ask for, right? So they held me in contempt. And eventually, a bunch of them couldn't leave. I mean, couldn't stay. (laughs) They couldn't stay. Now, some have moved on to give an opportunity to try something new. That's fine. But, but I could feel the contempt from some. Then we had people like Alejandra and John Martinson and the Schaffs, Carl and Rebecca, a bunch of folks, Kathy Chase and Tom Chase and, and Loretta. She put up with me, still loves me, all that. But that contempt with some, was honor for others. And because I've always felt honor from all those people I just mentioned, it works. There's something that happens when honor is displayed. But sometimes familiarity uh, interferes with honor. Some of you have a hard time honoring your father just because you're familiar with all his weaknesses. Some of you have a hard time honoring your children because of their bad behaviors. And so honor is something that we get to do. But we have to be really careful that we keep it in the delight zone. It's something that we get to do, not something that we have to do. We delight in showing honor to one another. This is why this culture that we live on it is so prone to disrespect that if you do something somebody else doesn't like, it's okay for them to dishonor you and disrobe you publicly, strip you down, 
And contempt is almost like a, a righteousness, but it's a selfish righteousness. It's a, it's a satanic righteousness. It's an anti-Christ righteousness. We've got to be careful that we don't move into a cultural contempt that causes us to dishonor a whole segment of people, right? So familiarity sometimes can breed contempt. You know, it's interesting that a lot of you have watched my kids grow up, and you watch them go through their seasons. And, um, and in particular, Taylor and Dewell, you've seen them up here leading worship, here in this building for the last almost 10 years. But before we moved into this building, they were leading worship and, and running youth programs for 12 to 15 years they've been doing this kind of stuff. But you've grown up with them. And so you see them as a certain role. When they first started as youth pastors, there's a handful of people that just couldn't, they couldn't see them running the youth because they didn't think they were ready. And the familiarity of Taylor being in seventh grade when we started the church was there. The familiarity of Noelle just being a part of the band and now she's leading. It, it was people couldn't, they couldn't embrace it. And so that created a wedge or that familiarity pushed them away from being able to honor the gift that God had given them. And now we have one of the largest youth ministries in the Northwest that happens here every Wednesday and leaders that run it that Taylor and Noel have raised up. But some of us still see him as a seventh grade kid running around hating mustard. <laughs> It'll be interesting to watch how you respond when my role changes when he becomes my senior pastor. Got quiet in here all of a sudden. I told, I told Taylor this just recently. I said, you know, the wisdom that you've been showing and the way that you have been running things, because he runs our staff, leads our staff meetings, all these kinds of things, is I could really see you being my senior pastor. And when a dad can see his son be his pastor, that's pretty amazing especially because we have so much familiarity. I know every weakness he's got. I know some that he doesn't even know he has. <laughs> Vice versa. He knows all mine. For him to sit, he has to bite his tongue sometimes, I'm sure, because I say dad stuff, right? Stupid stuff. Like, like, dad, why did you say that? I've seen Cameron put his head in his hands like this a couple of times when I've said stuff. That's once a week. Um, <clears throat> familiarity. Some of you won't be able to make that change when it happens because there'll be some contempt that rises up. Familiarity interferes. Our anti-tribe also devalues. So everybody has an, what I call an anti-tribe. 
it's the, it's the group of people that all agree with you on one particular thing. Maybe it's politics or maybe it's theology. Maybe it's, uh, maybe it's um, sexuality. Maybe it's race. Maybe it's, I mean, there's always this tribe that we become a, a part of, right? That has strong feelings against something else, Unfortunately, our anti-tribe can move from having a real pure spirit of intent to being really contemptuous. And so we have to watch our anti-tribe. We also have to watch our wounds. Because if your wounds lead and guide you, the darkness is your vision. And If your wounds... Begin to lead you and guide you and determine what you will do, what kind of person you become or what you won't participate in because of a wound. When your wounds are your vision, they, then God takes second place. Okay? So we have to watch out our wounds because our wounds can justify us being in contempt. They can justify us hating certain people, attacking certain people, demeaning people, devaluing people, okay? So let me give you a couple of ways to add some honor in your life. First of all, learn the backstory. Learn the backstory of people. Find out, especially people that maybe have have been part of hurting you or are you know, come across really hard, harsh to you. Maybe it was a parent. Do you know their backstory? Do you know why they're the way that they are? Sometimes if you know the backstory, you have a better understanding. Sometimes if you know the backstory, like I told you the story of how Pastor Taylor and, and Noel have been serving for years in the role that they're doing. And they volunteered for years. And they Went to Bible school for years and got a good education for ministry and all these kinds of things. And if you know their backstory, then all of a sudden, it's like, well, when we do get a different pastor, we're not going to want some guy that doesn't know us. We're not going to want some guy that doesn't love the city that we're in. We're not going to want some gal that, that comes in here and is here for a job only. No, we want somebody that's got the backstory. So if you know their backstory, then all of a sudden you see how that placement is really to your best advantage. I have five pastors in this local area that are being replaced in the next year. Five. All of them are doing searches all around the country to bring somebody into the church, to pastor the church. What a luxury they think I have. Because we don't have to do that. And so having the backstory is important. Today, here's another example. Today's Juneteenth. The first time I heard about Juneteenth was last year because of George Floyd, or a couple years ago. It's like the first time I heard of it. So I thought it was a political thing when I first heard of it. How come I didn't hear about this? It's been going on for hundreds of years, and why haven't I heard about it? I don't know about Juneteenth. So I'm thinking, well, it's Juneteenth, and people are going to, like, put social media signs up that say, happy Juneteenth, or 
Celebrate Juneteenth. And I don't even know what it is. Didn't have the backstory. But boy, when I started digging and started reading and started learning, it was like, I want to celebrate this. This is exciting. I mean, this is, it's like two things at the same time. This is horrible and beautiful all at the same time. Some of us have resolved that it's just a political thing. But no, it's a beautiful thing. It's a great way that you can give some honor. Just learn the backstory. Quit spending so much time telling how you're not racist and start looking up and getting educated. Then all of a sudden, it'll, I, I, I challenge everybody here, just go look it up, do a deep dive, and just take 20, 30 minutes, watch a couple videos, and, and read a couple things, and you'll be blown away. And you'll be like, how come we haven't been talking about this for years? Well, there's a whole bunch of people to have, but people like myself didn't hear. Just being, trying to be honest, right? If you want to show honor, get some backstory. Find out a little bit about people. Here's number two. Challenge yourself to find the good when there isn't much to find, if there's anything at all. Uh, some of us, you might have to just be thankful for the fact that you had somebody that gave birth to you. You get to be here because of them, and that's the only thing that you can find out that would show some honor. Thank you. Dear mom, dear dad, thank you for giving birth to me. I'm here because of you. You did give me a puppy once. You know, find, find the good where it is, and if there isn't much, just go... You know, just find something. Okay, practice that. Here's another thing. Don't compare your best with the worst of another. If you want to show honor, don't be somebody that takes your very best qualities and compares it with somebody else's worst qualities. It's pretty demeaning. Number four, leave room for people to grow past their youth and go, grow past their worst. And what I mean by that is some of you still see adult men and adult women as their teenage self. You still see them as their 10-year-old self. Little Tommy, little Billy, <laughs> little Jenny, little Shaniqua. That's just a little tiny, right? Come on. Seriously, don't hold people in that little space. Let them grow out of it. Somebody let you grow out of it. Don't make them go to a whole new place in order to get some respect and some honor, right? And so we want to be really good about that. Don't compare your best with somebody else's worst. If you're going to do anything, try to find their best and support it with your best. Honor them. Honor them. Number, oh, and you know what? 
Leave room for people to grow past their worst. You know, uh, there's people that have done some pretty horrific things, even as Christians. And we believe in forgiveness and restoration and moving past that which was. And so don't hold people into your image of them at their worst. Give them a chance to get out of that because you did. So let's, let's remember that, okay? If you want to honor, let people get past their youth and let them get past their worst. And the last one is celebrate the calling and talents and contributions of the uncelebrated. Celebrate people that take care of your kids. I'm seeing over in the far corner over here, Corey McMillan, who has been helping with special needs kids in our church for years. None of you even know who she is. But she's blessed some of our kids that really need special attention and love. She's there. We have a couple in our next service that'll be here, Aaron and Rena Gertzen. have been here for years. Before we even merged, they were working with kids here. And they're, every week, they serve in the classroom with your toddlers. Celebrate the people that have been forgotten or go unnoticed. It's easy to celebrate somebody that stands on stage, you know. We'll celebrate Pastor Taylor, Pastor Steve, Noel, the band. We'll celebrate the leaders of the youth group. We'll celebrate the leaders of the prayer team or whatever. But what about the ones that go unnoticed, that never have a microphone, that never get noticed? Honor is not for the person that is the celebrity. Remember this, and I'll close with this thought. Jesus, in a culture where everybody honored the military leaders, the kings and nobles, the religious leaders, the rich, the wealthy, all the people, and disregarded the women, disregarded the poor, disregarded people of other faiths, other religions, disregarded those that were disabled or sick, Jesus shows up on the scene and he brings dignity to the woman at the well, to the man with the mental illness that was cutting himself, to the sick, to the poor, to the tax collector, to the woman caught in adultery. And he comes and he honors them. When he tells a story of who to be like, he picks a Samaritan that all the religious people couldn't stand and he honors them and says, be like him. When he described faith, he described a man that had a whole different faith paradigm and said, this guy's I've never seen such great faith. Jesus took the person that nobody celebrated, brought him to the forefront and showed a unique quality that they bring to the you can do the same thing. You can honor people and let them know. In remembrance of Father's Day, in remembrance of Juneteenth, in remembrance of your 
birthday. Remember to honor. Bring honor to where honor is due. And watch, things will go really good with you. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's pray. God, we thank you for the opportunity that we have to bring honor to where honor is due. And God, we pray that as we honor our father and our mother, as we honor our children, as we honor those that we work with and honor those that lead us and guide us and those that are in our world and those that we meet out in our community, we pray that you would give us a spirit of honor and people would know we're Christians because we honor the ones that everybody else can't stand. We find that unique thing about them that we can encourage and build in Jesus' name. Amen, amen. Some of you may need uh, some prayer. Maybe you got some stuff with somebody that has hurt you and you're wrestling with this right now. You're kind of quiet, I can tell, by just looking at y'all out here. I know that some of you got rocked to the core with that. And so if you need prayer, our prayer partners are gonna be here. They're coming up to the front right now. And uh, they'll pray with you. And man, I'm telling you, I've been hearing some testimonies of people that have completely been rocked. A lot of healings have been taking place. So maybe you need to get your soul healed, right? So that you can honor again. Don't have to walk on a 500-mile journey, a sabbatical, in order for God to move in this area of your life. Amen? Amen? How many fathers do we have out there? I honor you guys. Hold your head up high. Lead strong. Be strong. And go throw some axes. God bless you. Have a great Sunday.